Welcome to the No Duh Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm a baseball writer and baseball podcaster who loves pop culture, but especially the pop culture from my formative years, which span August 1974 when I was born through the late 90s when I first started working in New York City after college. Let's get all the administrative stuff out of the way. You can find me on Twitter at StaceGots, and I have a Patreon for this podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast, all one word, all lowercase. I have goals and tiers set up. I have big ideas for this show, but I need some help to achieve them. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcast, all one word. Last time out, I did a deep dive into all three seasons of Degrassi Junior High, so in today's episode of No Duh, we'll be looking back fondly at Degrassi High and the School's Out TV movie that wrapped up Degrassi High's storylines until a new Degrassi series started in 2001. Again, we're talking about the OG Degrassi kids like Joey Jeremiah, Lucy Fernandez, and Caitlin Ryan, along with Snake, Wheels, Spike, LD, Liz, Kathleen, Melanie, Arthur, and Yick. And also the additional high school characters like the bullies Dwayne, Tabby, and the dude with really horrible eyebrows whose name I can't bother to remember right now, and Claude Tanner. <laughs> Sorry, Claude Tanner. Tessa Campanelli and Alex Yanku had a peripheral role in Degrassi Junior High, but they were thrust into the spotlight in Degrassi High. If you listened to the last episode, or if you were a viewer of the Degrassi series, you know that the Junior High burned down at the end of Season 3, which made it so some of the younger characters could go to the high school along with their older counterparts. I'll say it right away, I didn't like Degrassi High as much as I liked Degrassi Junior High, even though the same characters were involved for the most part. Some characters who were in the background in early seasons of the Junior High installment were thrust into the spotlight during high school. Now, some of the storylines were recycled, but geared towards older kids. During the high school years, we had another Greek girl who was being held back by her strict family. This time it was Diana, whose older brother ruled with an iron fist. Diana rebelled by smoking and going to parties when she was grounded. As I said in the last episode, Vula disappeared after the first season of Degrassi Junior High, so Diana filled the Greek girl void left by Vula. Now, some storylines were really heavy. In fact, the high school series started off with one of the heaviest topics ever tackled on TV at the time, abortion. Right now in 2019, women are losing their right to choose because new laws are being signed by state governments seemingly every day. Back in 1989, when Degrassi High premiered, abortion was a hot-button topic and every view was explored. Erica, who was the more mature of the curly-haired twins from the Junior High series, and those are her words, not mine. She believes she's more mature than her sister because I believe she was born six minutes ahead of her. She met a guy when they were working as camp counselors over the summer before 10th grade. One thing led to another, and she gets pregnant. It was a two-part episode that ended on a cliffhanger because Erica had all the symptoms and she wasn't getting her period, so she took a test. At first, it came up negative, and she was obviously relieved. By the way, the tests back then were like chemistry kits and took two hours for the results to appear. But she still didn't feel right, so she takes a second test at the end of the first episode, and whammo, it's positive. In part two, she lies to her twin, saying the test was negative again. I don't know if she thinks she'll be able to hide it from people, but when she finally breaks down and tells Heather that she's pregnant, and that she's going to get an abortion, Heather is horrified. They're Christians, and they can't kill babies. She even mentions murder centers, which I'm assuming means abortion clinics. How lovely. Anyway, Erica goes to the clinic, but not before being accosted by people with signs of fetuses and little dolls depicting aborted fetuses who are outside the clinic protesting. It's kind of scary how nothing's changed in the last 30 years. She makes her appointment, and even though Heather is against abortion, and in a way Erica is too, she accompanies her sister to the clinic to end part two. 
Apparently, they didn't show the protesters when the episode aired here, but the unedited version aired in Canada. The other storylines going on in episode one obviously had to do with the kids starting junior high, you know, the ninth graders going from Degrassi junior high to Degrassi high, the kids who were in ninth grade who had to split time between Degrassi high and Borden high finally have their own main place to go, like Lucy and the twins and Snake and Wheels. A few episodes later, someone is harassing Erica by leaving pictures of fetuses on her locker and writing murderer in red lipstick on bathroom mirrors. Later, we find out that it's Liz, Spike's annoying know-it-all friend who thinks abortion is always wrong and never sees the gray area in any situation. We find out in a season two episode of Degrassi High that Liz was molested as a child by her mother's boyfriend, and it's part of the reason why she's so uptight. I didn't like that episode. It was too close to home for me because I was molested when I was younger by two different men, and I was always creeped out by Liz's standalone episode. Other heavy topics explored during the high school years, AIDS and suicide. Both of these topics got the two-part episode treatment. And in a particularly heavy season one episode, Kathleen Mead, the girl with the drunk mom and the girl who fought anorexia in the junior high series, meets an 11th grader named Scott, starts dating him, only to find out that he's abusive. Now, I will say that they did a pretty good job with this episode because they explored all the ways a man can abuse a woman physically, verbally, and emotionally. He was possessive. He put her down, and he put his hands on her. And I'm pretty sure I said this during the junior high episode of this podcast, but I liked how storylines weren't really wrapped up in a bow in one episode. A lot of them continued on, and even if they weren't the main focus of subsequent episodes, you'd see what was happening in real time. It took a few episodes for Kathleen and Scott's storyline to wrap up, but she finally called the police on his ass after he stalked her and then attacked her and broke her arm. After that, we only see Scott walking around as an extra and in one brief scene in a season two episode. Ironically, the actor who played Scott is currently in jail because he's a sexual predator. Lovely. Another ongoing storyline that spanned from the junior high series into the high school series was Snake, Joey, and Wheels' band, The Zit Remedy. The funniest thing about their band is that they didn't have a drummer, And for all those years that they talked about being famous and hitting it big, they only wrote one song. That's right. In high school, I forgot. They changed their name. They were the Zit Remedy in junior high and the Zits in high. And good Lord, that song was horrible. And the guys, to their credit, the guys who played Joey Snake and Wheels also hated that song as much as everyone else did. So season one of Degrassi High opened up with a two-part episode about abortion. Season two opened up with a two-part episode about AIDS. Talk about heavy. Now, I do like that the character they decided to make HIV positive was Dwayne the Bully. One, he's heterosexual. Two, he's not that attractive. (laughs) No offense, but he wasn't. And three, they didn't make it a stereotypical AIDS story for 1990. They showed how anyone could get it. Wasn't just a homosexual disease, wasn't just a drug addict's disease. It was a disease that someone who, you know, wasn't careful with someone that they had a fling with, and then he's paying for it by getting sick. 
I don't know if they gave it to Dwayne to serve as some sort of karma for him being an asshole bully. I don't think that's what they did. I think they did it that way because he was probably the person you'd least expect to get it. Other two-part episodes during Degrassi High include Michelle, the shy girl from junior high, turns 16, gets into a fight with her dad, and moves out. Now, she doesn't get her own apartment because she doesn't have enough money to do that, but she gets a room in an apartment because apparently in Canada, when you're 16, you can be independent from your parents and move out, which at the time I thought was really cool and wanted to move to Canada because of that. I also wanted to move to Canada because a 51 was a passing grade. In their education system, if you get over a 50, you pass, which would have worked really well for me in high school. Hell, I would have passed everything if that were the case. In one episode, Wheels is trying to avoid showing his grandmother his mid-year report card, and a few of the grades were like 43, 41, 38. I mean, I didn't do well in high school, but I never got grades that low. In season two of Degrassi High, Caitlin discovers that her dad is having an affair. Caitlin also dumps Joey to be with Claude. Claude. Excuse me again, Claude. Claude is an older guy, has more in common with Caitlin. They're both into protesting. And then in one episode, they decide to spray paint the side of a factory that's apparently helping to build nuclear weapons. And when a security guard spots them and Caitlin gets stuck on the fence trying to get out, Claude runs away like a wuss and Caitlin gets in trouble and she has to go to court. So they break up ultimately because of that. We don't see much of Claude after that until a two-part episode in which he commits suicide. It was a two-part episode called Showtime. It revolved around a talent show at school. Claude tries out, but when he does, he recites an extremely bleak and depressing poem, which doesn't go over well with the people organizing the talent show. So they ask him to do something a little more upbeat. He doesn't want to. He storms out. It's a whole thing. But what people don't know is the poem is a glimpse into how he's feeling. His parents split up. He doesn't get along with his mother's new boyfriend. He doesn't really get along with his father. So he really has no place to go. He feels all alone. People aren't supporting him. He tries to get back with Caitlin. She's like, uh, no, boy, bye. He brings a gun to school, walks into the boy's room, and shoots himself. I will say I kind of like how they did it because... It was obvious what he was doing. They didn't show it, but you heard it. And how they did this was they showed a classroom having a discussion. And as someone is about to answer a question, you hear the gunshot. But it sounds like a locker slamming, to be honest. So no one in the classroom flinches. No one even reacts to it. Claude is ultimately discovered by a poor snake who just was going to the bathroom to take a tinkle and he discovers Claude's lifeless and bloody body. They explore Caitlin's reaction to it. They explore the kids' overall reaction to it in the school. Some are angry that he did it at the school. Others don't understand why he did it. They also explore Snake's PTSD, essentially, from discovering Claude's body. It takes him an episode or two to be able to return to school. They ultimately decide to keep going on with the talent show because that was a whole big fight during the second part of the episode. What they decide to do ultimately is to turn it into a charity event and they will donate all the money to Claude's parents who will put it toward a charity of their choice, which I thought was a very nice idea. Spike came up with that idea. 
Now, I mentioned how they had a number of two-part episodes. The one episode that I wish they had stretched out to two was the finale. It just seemed rushed to me. All of a sudden, they find out that the school's going to be closed. They're all going to be separated and have to go to different high schools. And it ends with a dance. The last episode also deals with everyone finding out about Dwayne having HIV. Everyone reacts in a really bad way because it's 1991. And even then, there wasn't as much known about AIDS as there is now. In those days, AIDS was still kind of a death sentence. And you know how horrible high school kids are because you were one once. They believe that if they touch anything that Dwayne touched, they'll get it. But in the end, Dwayne says, F y'all. He shows up to the dance. His bully friend, Tabby, after speaking to someone who educated her about what it's really like to be HIV positive and how you can get it and how you can't get it, decides to dance with him while the guy with the horrible eyebrows acts like he's going to die if he's within 10 feet of Dwayne and he leaves the dance like a moron. I guess other people felt the same way I did, that the Degrassi High series was a rushed conclusion. So in 1992, the producers decided to film a TV movie called Schools Out that deals with a bunch of the people graduating and what their future plans are. And oh my God, I did not watch this until I was an adult. It didn't air in the United States as far as I know. And the first time I watched it was on YouTube years ago. And let me tell you, it is amazing. The difference between the end of Degrassi High in 1991 and the School's Out TV movie in 1992, it's like they aged 30 years in maturity because people are having sex, people are cursing. In 1992, Stefan Brogan, who played Snake, was the first person to say fuck on Canadian broadcast TV. And then a few moments later, Stacey Mystician repeated the word. <laughs> and to see these characters that I watched in the junior high series and the high school series curse like that, not that it was out of the ordinary that 18-year-olds would curse because, you know, I cursed when I was 18, but to see them, it was like a complete 180. It was amazing. I recommend that if you watched both the junior high series and the high school series and you never saw the School's Out TV movie, just watch it. I realize we're all in our mid-40s now, but just do me a favor and watch it. It's astonishing, honestly. Joey cheats on Caitlin with Tessa Campanelli. He gets Tessa Campanelli pregnant. <laughs> and when Caitlin finds out about it, she finds out because Snake is yelling at Joey about it. Because Joey was a real jackass in this TV movie. He was perfectly fine cheating on Caitlin with Tessa because Caitlin wouldn't give it up. And, you know, Joey Jeremiah like I said in the last episode, he was always kind of a jerk, but he wasn't a malicious jerk. He was just a jerk because he didn't know any better. But this Joey is turning 19. He knows better. And it felt kind of out of left field that he would do this sort of thing. But then you think about it, and he's a typical guy. He wants to get laid. He has a girl who will allow him to do that, while his regular girl is deciding whether or not to do it. And not only that, Joey wants to be engaged to Caitlin, which I find ridiculous because she just graduated high school. He was still going to be in high school because if you recall from the junior high series, he was held back a grade. 
So, of course, Caitlin finds out they break up, but wow, Stacey Mystician with that line, you fucked Tessa Campanelli, I nearly fainted. And I have to say, the producer's idea for wrapping up the series with a bow in this TV movie, they had some sick ideas because Joey and Caitlin break up. Wheels gets into a car accident with Lucy. He ends up killing a kid because he's driving drunk. Lucy is blinded and nearly paralyzed in the accident. We don't know for sure if Tessa gets an abortion because she goes to the clinic and says she's there for one, but we don't know if she's gone through with it. The only happy thing is that Alexa and Simon, the vacuous couple from junior high and high, get married at the end of the episode, and people reunite, people are home from university, Caitlin and Joey have a talk and they end on a dance, but they're not getting back together. And after school's out ends, the next time we see anything Degrassi-related is in 2001 when The Next Generation starts. And in that series, Emma, Spike's daughter, who was born during junior high, is starting junior high. So it all comes full circle. And in a fun twist, Mr. Radich is the principal at Degrassi Community School, which is the new school that the new generation goes to. Spike is obviously involved in the next show because Emma is her daughter, and Snake is a teacher at the community school. Joey also makes appearances in The Next Generation, as does Caitlin. So it's kind of cool that they, you know, helped get The Next Generation off the ground. In fact, the first episode of The Next Generation revolves around their reunion. Although I don't know how that works because some of them didn't graduate with each other. But, you know, when they start a new series, they kind of vaguely draw from the previous series. But it was cool. You saw a lot of people from junior high and high at the reunion in the first, I think it was first two episodes of The Next Generation. Degrassi was a phenomenon in Canada. And they can keep it going because we're getting to the point now where it's possible that Emma will have a child starting junior high soon and they could just keep going perpetually. (laughs) So there's your history lesson on Degrassi. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the No Dub Podcast. I've been your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. You can find me on Twitter at Stace Gotts, and you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, all lowercase letters. I am starting this podcast from scratch, so any help that I can get would be greatly appreciated. Until next time.